Okay, welcome back to My Brother's Deeper, a podcast about two brothers, one in England, one in America, one's a pastor, one's a writer, otherwise known as the Rufus and Percy Show. Uh, that's an inside joke. You, the only way you can figure that out is to go back and listen to the previous episodes. Um, so anyway, we have a special guest today. Woohoo! It's one of our super fans. We have two <laughs> One is Craig Scott. Who we still owe something to, right? No, I thought we handled that. Is he still – he's not happy with what we gave him? No. Remember you and I talked about it. I didn't think that that was enough. Uh, but we gave him a secret to the universe. I felt like that was enough. Yeah, I guess I guess the uh, the the grandness of your secret. I don't know if it fell, you know, on receptive ears. So we we still owe him more a secrets? secret. I don't know something a little bit more personal. We probably really? should be talking about this off 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 air. All right. <laughs> but the other super fan is um Kathy Wick who's here with us today um Kathy well good morning to you that's right so last time we talked about the Tower of Babel and we had a plan or a loose idea of maybe extending that into like a talk about diversity um we went on a bit of a hiatus due to health concerns and we're here today. Maybe we're just going to extend a little bit more about the Tower of Babel. Um, but the base thing that we took away from that was that it was a story about diversity. Or eventually it was about diversity. Yeah, I think that's a which huge I didn't thing. Buy, I didn't wholly buy. I thought that's okay. Yeah. I thought that it was more about like keeping people away from each other, keeping knowledge away from each other, confusing things so that we stay at a point where we're more manageable. Right, right. So I think I think the baseline is similar from the standpoint of like it starts from a place of confusion. But I think your your kind of interpretation and idea of, of what the motivation of that is different than where I would come from with that. So yeah, I think that's a good I mean that's a good common ground to kind of jump you out from. You think it starts at a place of confusion, the Tower of Babel? Well, I guess just from the idea that, you know, the word Babel itself, you know, comes from the idea of confusion, you know, Babel talking and uh, being able to not understand each other. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's what I mean as far as like that concept starts from there. But at the beginning, we could understand each other because we were all speaking the same language. Right. Right. Which God, for some reason, didn't like that because it led to them working together and building this tower that went all the way to the sky. Yeah. And he, he, don't you see like where that seems sort of like, wait, man, we were doing something pretty cool here. Right, right. And then like disperses it. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, we had a question earlier. We were talking, we were kind of prepping for this. Yeah. And she had a an idea that maybe. It was what we were being selfish as people trying to. Um, Well, we were trying. It's more like a righteous tone. Like we 
have this uh, connection to God. Only we're kind of superior. We we're, we're close. I mean, it's like people sometimes in today's age think that they're better than you because they feel feel like they're more religious. So they have a higher. They feel like they're higher than really maybe what they are. So I didn't know if these people were like really thinking that they could get to this. They were special because they were so connected and they were really high on God's list of things to do. So that they were, they had this feeling of self-righteousness because they had been like following God, mm-hmm. following his word, doing what he was telling them to do. This was going to be a... And they thought that they were deserve, deserving of more. Well, you know, is it is it in can it also be said that like the people that did not follow God that built those golden calves and they thought they were doing their gods the honor by building golden calves. So and that obviously we see as not the correct thing to do. So are they these people from Babel thinking we are we're doing this in God's name. Look at us. Look I mean, is that mm-hmm. a selfish not on their part, or is it truly a, the motivation is truly to please God? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're spot on, Kathy, because I, I think, again, like where I'm coming from at that is is from a textual standpoint. So like when I look at the stories, the way it's presented um, in the Bible, wh- whoever wrote Genesis, which, you know, the kind of the common idea uh, would be that Moses is the one who's kind of writing this down, the oral history, blah, blah, blah. However, however this is being presented by the author, the author's intent is clearly to um, describe these people at Babel as doing something that is um, opposite of what God's, in, okay. God's desire is. So, so for example, when you look at what they say in the, in the verse, they say – um, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. So here's this idea of building, Josh, as you're talking about. And then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower, all right, uh, with its top in the heavens. So that was their goal, as, as large and as big as it could be. And then here's the key one, I would say. And let us make a name for ourselves. Mm. So the intent, the motivation was not honoring God. The intent and the motivation was to honor themselves. It was, look at what we can do. We don't need God. Look at what we're able to accomplish. Look how independent we are. Look how far we have come. We have advanced beyond the need of any, some, you know, God telling us what to do and how to do it. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay, so there is something that occurred to me while you were saying that about individualism, about yeah. sort of stamping that out a bit by God. Like there's no, there's no room for it for individualism yeah i mean i yeah and i think this is where terminology is important because i think if you if you just limit individualism to a positive expression then you're absolutely right you would look at this and go well hang on that kind of stinks but if you also recognize that there's a duality to individualism that individualism can have both positive connotations and negative connotations. I think that's where this story would fit into it because, you know, it's, let me back up. Like Josh, when you were first describing this, I thought it was interesting because the way you were describing this, the story of like, Hey, they built something. Look at what we could do. You sounded like a proper capitalist. Like you sounded like someone who was like, listen, Hey, 
if you can do it, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, build something. It's great. Show it off. That sort of thing. That's, and that's, that's, that's not wrong. I know. I, I, but I'm not a capitalist. But we can. <laughs> but that's where I was going with it because I want to talk about something. We keep right. going. All right. Yeah. So, so my point in just bringing that back up or, or pointing to that would simply be to say, like, capitalism in and of itself is is probably amoral, right? It's neither right nor wrong, and in, in unless you're a communist, social, you know, that sort of thing. But just looking at it on the surface, it's neither right nor wrong. Just like money is amoral. However, you can take that to the extreme. Like capitalism to an extreme is horrible greed. Right. Taking advantage of those who are below you. Um, you know, we see you see that in America all the time. Right. So I would say individualism is a similar thing. So when you say, well, God's looking at individualism and he's trying to, like, snuff it out, what I would go is, well, I think he's looking at the negative side of individualism. I think he's looking at those negative connotations from his perspective and saying, well, individualism really is you can you can live life without me apart from me which you know kind of the story of scripture is this relationship between god and his people so individualism in that context really is seen as the ultimate rejection of god it would be a form of atheism in some sense to say there is no god and we don't need a god right but the thing is they weren't doing that they were trying to get to him. You know what I mean? They weren't saying, hey, we're, we're building this in direct against you, like to say, like, hey, we can get we can get up to the heavens without you. They were saying, like, we no, we want to meet you. Well, I, I mean, I think that's a huge, huge um, interpretive jump just based on the text. Like, I think that's a very that that would be. But weren't know, they trying to they were calling they one of the things that was translated we talked about earlier was the Tower of Babel translated in some uh, languages to the gate of God. Mm -hmm. So like they were trying to get to him or her. (laughs) Right. So are they (laughs) her? I prefer her. Right. So, so where I would, where I would, again, where I would come from that is I would just simply say like the, the, I mean, you know, Josh, as a story writer, as an author, um, when you when you write words, obviously, and you craft a story, you have an idea in your head. You have an intent in your head of what the themes are and, and, and what the, kind of the point of the story is. Obviously, people can look at your story and come up with their own theme and co- own idea, and, and it becomes you know very personal to them. But ultimately, the author has the authority to say, no, this was the intent originally. Mm. So I think it I think it would be I think it would be very hard pressed, even if you're looking at somebody who is just a biblical academic with no sort of faith, you know, connected to it, because, you know, there's lots of atheist Bible academics out there. I think you'd be hard pressed to find any of those who would say that the Tower of Babel is being presented in a positive light towards those people. So the idea that they were building this just to commune with God, that's not the intent of the story here, you can tell. Like the way that everything is is being written here, it's clear that they're doing it in rebellion to God. Hence, again, when they say, let us make a name for ourselves, um, they recognize that like we're, we're, we're trying to show God – you could say that we're trying to show God we don't need him. 
I don't think it was an act of worship. I don't think it was an act of, um, you know, honor or praise or anything like that. It was it's being presented in the text, you know, and, and again, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm the authority on this, but I would I've read enough and read widely enough to go. It's it's probably, you know, pretty much um, consensus that it's a negative. It's a negative connotation. I think that these people who were direct descendants of Noah, do you think these people weren't practicing the religion of of Yahweh? Yeah, I, I think I think what would be fair probably to say is that um, there probably were some, but the, but they were a minority, a very, very small minority. Now, again, the text doesn't say that, so that, that's an interpretive leap on my, on my uh, behalf. But based on how the rest of the Old Testament portrays um, acts like this, uh, particularly like the nation of Israel when – you know, they get carried off into Babylon and, the, you know, the Persians and the Assyrians and all this sort of stuff. And you have all those prophets in the Old Testament speaking judgment. Almost every single time in those prophecies and in those judgments, there's reference to a remnant. So in other words, there's a small group of people who are being faithful, but they're overwhelmingly the majority. So I, it wouldn't surprise me that, that that would be present here as well, that there, there probably were some. But they were overwhelmingly, you know, in small numbers. So going back to the, the capitalism thing, because one, yeah. one of the things that was striking about this is and I say two, there's two things that human beings do well. All right. OK. You ready for this? One's good. One's bad. Maybe both are bad. OK. We build and we murder. Okay. So. We already covered the murder with Cain and Abel. Right. Tower of Babel is the building part. Yeah, Where I can see that. We do. We build these things so well. You know, mm-hmm. we're very industrious. That's mm-hmm. what sets us apart, right, mm-hmm. from all the animals and the animal kingdom, besides being self-conscious, which right. might have something to do with building. Maybe. We should check beavers closer. Huh? I, I have a question yeah. then. I mean, my image is like Jason – these people at this point in time, were there was there any other people anywhere or was this it? Yeah, it, it sounds like because verse one of chapter 11 says now the whole earth had one language. So. So that was it. That was the, these are all the people apparently in the earth at that time were able to speak one language with the same words. And then it says. And as people migrated from the east, so apparently they had been spread out, and for some reason they started coming together and congregating in one area. So to your point, Josh, like there probably was building already going on, and part of that building, you know, it's natural that as people gather together and buildings come into play, businesses happen, walls are put up for protection, there's security, there's comfort. You know, um, there's there's progress. So it seems like, again, I'm just speculating here uh, just based on the text that, yeah, that that people had started coming together from all parts of where they were living at that time. Hmm. And from what we learned in Cain and Abel, if if you want to go this route, though, is that God was very against Cain's path, which was. Uh, tilling the land, 
creating more civilization, more people, building, which causes you to build things. When you have a have when you have a gathering of people and you're storing grain and you have to find a place, you have to build places, you have to build things. So maybe this is another direct correlation to that sort of line of thinking that maybe God was trying to tell these people, like, look, this is not the path. Yeah, I, I mean. I- when we talked about that with Cain and Abel, I mean, I remember us kind of going back and forth on that. Like, I, again, I, I don't think that's the big takeaway of Cain and Abel in regards to that. The reason why, you know, that offering was rejected was because of it came from the land. Like, I, I don't think that's the implication there. Um, again, just looking at the language. I, so I don't I wouldn't say that God's against building. Right. I wouldn't say that God is against people coming together. And part of the reason I would say that is this, is that when you jump forward, you know, a couple millennia and you look at the New Testament and you look at the Apostle Paul, who, you know, is probably the the most famous and the foremost kind of missionary um, in history, his strategy, if you look at, if you particularly read the book of Acts and you look at his missionary journeys, which I think there are three of them, his strategy was to go to urban areas like it was it was it was his strategy like this is the best way for this message to spread is to go where people are congregated right well when if we can imagine that as like a a a city at the time what you would call a city yeah there's more strife in those cities though because there's so many people and there's not enough this and there's not enough that so people suffer so that's i think that's a big part of it a big and part of of what of why someone like Paul would go there. Oh, sure, sure. There's more suffering there. You can reach more people, and the reason why is because we we went this way that we probably weren't supposed to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we'd gone the way we've gone the way of Abel, we'd be more hunter gatherers. There'd be less. There would be less gathering of people in cities. There might not be. It might be a different world. I mean, it's hard to imagine. It definitely would be a different like world. That, but... Yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, Josh, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm I'm not quite sure how to how to really process that. Like like, you know, I think I think that's kind of where like as I go back on kind of the experience that I have and the training that I have, um, I tend to go back to these ideas of like, okay, you know, there's a lot in the Bible that is not spoken about. Right. There are a lot of a lot of specific issues that maybe are not spoken about. And so where there is silence, I think it's always difficult and always dangerous to start building a philosophy or a theology, you know, of, well, he doesn't say this. So mm-hmm. then it must be important or it must not be important. And I, I tend to go the opposite direction where I would say that the things that we do have, um, the direct words, the concepts, the principles that we do have are the things we should be focusing on and saying that's that's what God wants us to actually understand in his revelation of himself. So I guess I guess I guess like where I would come back to go is if that really is like such a big deal to God, I I would think that we would see more evidence of that and more kind of talking and even direct revelation in regards to saying don't build cities. You know, farm the land, you, you, and you don't get that sense anywhere. So, I do think there's probably, like you said, like a lot of positives if if humanity had gone in that direction for sure. 
But I could also see negatives too. You know, I, I think when you have a bunch of isolated communities, um, you know, you you don't have a greater sense of humanity. You don't have a greater sense of um, how how uh, we can achieve things. You know, and you also get a real sense of individualism within kind of segregated communities. You know, it's interesting. One of the unique things about um, living here in the northeast part of England is that because historically this area was a mining area, this is where coal was mined for the country for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, All these little towns around us are former coal mining towns. And every year down in um, in Durham, they have what's called the Miners Gala. And the Miners Gala is basically a celebration of the mining communities of the past. And so what you'll have is you'll literally have, you know, hundreds of all these little communities that have their own accent, that have their own flags, that have their own, you know, history in and of itself which on one hand is really, really cool, right? But we also um, recognize that it's incredibly confining too. So like I know people who who grew up like say in the town that, that, that our church is in right here and Durham, which is this world heritage site. It has a cathedral that is, you know, over a thousand years old. Yeah. Um, it's seven I'm miles away. We've been in it, right? We, that's right. the place we went to. You, Kathy, this place is crazy. It was like the the ceilings in it were. It seemed they seemed like they were a thousand feet high. So they were building to God too. <laughs> they were. That's right. That's a good point. That's a good. We should, we should explore that. Oh, it's a Catholic church. That it makes, was. Yeah. That would make perfect sense. You see yeah. all these Catholic churches in Chicago. Yeah. But like that one in Durham is in is amazing. But in the same sense, they are their own little tower of babbles. Without question. Yeah, on, on some level, you're absolutely right. So here, here we have this, you know, thousand-year-old cathedral, a world heritage site. You know, this, this place, parts of Harry Potter were filmed there. Parts of the Avengers were filmed there. I mean, it's just – it's crazy. It's my, my point in that is that someone who grew up just seven miles from there, right, had never, ever visited that place yeah. because why in the world would you go all the way to Durham? It's seven miles. <laughs> like like to an American, right? Like that's a completely foreign Sorry. concept. Yeah. Right? It's completely like seven miles. I can walk that. Seriously. Yeah. That's that's a trip to the grocery store, right? Yeah. So well, it's, it's I'm sorry, I didn't want to so it's interesting that you guys keep floating back and forth between diversity and separation and individual you just it's just like a constant something's constantly happening and all we're <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's the the thing that we we wrestle with the most is um is how malleable all of it is you know like how it can it can be interpreted and talked about and it can go different ways you can feel this way that way but what you were saying about uh, that that person living seven miles away, that insularness of that area is fascinating. Well, and so th- I think the whole reason I brought that up is just to simply say that, like, in 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 many ways, um, the, the insularness of a community can be positive because, you know, you've got a built in kind of you know, tribe. You got a built in, you know, network of people. 
but there's also a negative negative aspect of it too you know is that you're so insular you don't see outside of it so um yeah so to your point about Cain and Abel and whether or not they people should gather together and have big cities and all that sort of stuff I I think you're I think you're spot on in that humanity is really good at building things and and kind of using using that as an opportunity again I'm going to look at it from a from a positive standpoint using it as a um outflow of connectivity I think equally it's good and bad the good part of it is a lot of the things that we build are beautiful they're yeah. pieces of art that's right to look at and they add to the geography of places so it, again it's interesting that you're talking about the time talking about Babel and saying they built they're going to build that based on um, their motivation was wrong but yet all these beautiful churches in Europe I would believe that we're built in honor of God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that there is, again, I think, you know, motive hopefully should determine outcome. And, and I think that you can do, two people can do the exact same thing, but the motives behind it can completely change everything. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. I think you've got, um, I think you've got churches that were built without question to the honor and to the glory of God. But I think we should also be honest enough to say, too, that there are probably plenty of churches that were not built that way, right? That they were built either to stroke the ego of the people that were there. You know, we, we were watching a we were watching a program just recently. Um, uh, it's like a home renovation show here in England. And um, they were actually renovating a decommissioned church. And, uh, you know, nobody uh, works there. Nobody gathers there anymore. So I think it was a, a Church of England church, and they decommissioned it, put it up for sale. So this couple bought it, whatever. And the host of the show was doing background into the church and, and was wondering, why was this church built in the first place? Because there's another larger Church of England church like three miles down the road. Well, what he had figured out is that in his research – is that this was like in the um, kind of mid 1700s when um, John Wesley started spreading his kind of version of Christianity and Methodism started mm. to grow. And there was a big Methodist church that went up in this town. Well, the Church of England basically built the second church to compete with it. Mm-hmm. Basically was like, no, you're not going to take our people away. Like mm. we're going to build another church there. So in that case, like – I think it's a pretty good argument to say that church was probably similar to the Tower of Babel and that the motivation was more about pride and more about, you know, look at us rather than look at God. Yeah, I I feel like with Catholic Catholicism, you see that more because, like, look at the Sistine Chapel. They get Michelangelo to to paint um, that and like it's beautiful and ornate and but it's also there's a bit of selfishness in it, which. Yeah. Uh, art is selfish. Like if you're an artist, you're a pretty selfish person because you have to be alone and with yourself and you have to do these things yeah. uh, by yourself. And it's very selfish, which brings me back to the individualism thing, mm-hmm. which is it's hard to process that we're innately individuals because we have these we're, we're self-aware. Right. We each have this own, our own egos and mm-hmm. we, we're like snowflakes or fingerprints we're all very all individuals who are very special and no one's alike no one's brain 
is the same. Mm-hmm. Everything is, 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 everything is, everyone is very different. And that's, um, born into us. You know, that's hardwired mm-hmm. into us. And yet to get out of that is very hard. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like mm-hmm. the fact that we we're choosing sort of these art forms or whatever we can and arts and crafts or whatever, we're building things because, um, we have to. We have mm-hmm. to express ourselves somehow. Mm-hmm. And in a way, the Tower of Babel being sort of destroyed or all these people being dispersed, sort of crushing individualism, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, a, yeah. hard, it's a, a hard thing to, to reconcile. reconcile. Yeah. I, I, and I, I completely hear where you're coming from, Josh. And, and I think, again, I, I think it's it's trying to keep in mind this idea of the duality of individualism, because I think, you know, if I could get like a little bit personal here, like I, I think you could make the same argument and you could use the same logic in regards to why no one should ever get married. Right. right. Because you could say marriage, in a sense, diminishes your individualism. Marriage, in a sense, restrains you. Marriage, in a sense, um, you know, if you want to use very, very negative terminology, um, you know, imprisons you and, and, and do, does all those sorts of things. And on the surface, that is absolutely true. It, it is like when you enter into a relationship where you're saying we are we are committing to live life together, and that means committing to share things and defer to one another. You are giving up an aspect of your individualism, but that's where I think the dual nature of it comes to go by giving up and deferring my individualism. I feel like that's actually contributing towards something better and something greater, right? That, that two is actually stronger than one in that, in that case. And that by deferring my individualism and in a sense submitting to say Candace's expressions of, desires and needs and wants and joys and, and dreams and that sort of thing that I'm actually my, my individualism is actually enhanced because of that. And I think, again, my perspective, I think that's ultimately what God is trying to get people to do in all of Scripture is to say, submit your individualism. You have the right to express it. You have the freedom to express it. I don't think God creates robots and you know those sorts of things. But I think he's saying to us, submit your free will and individualism because actually by coming together and having common ground, you can achieve something greater and even better and and live life even fuller and more experienced. So again, using the marriage analogy, I think that if I would have continued to be an individual for the last you know, 22, 23 years and not have been married to Candace – I obviously would be a very different person. My bet on that, right? And that's what it is. It's a wager. My bet, though, is that that person that I would have been without her would be worse than the person I am today. Yeah. So, Kathy, you maybe you can speak on this because you've been married for a long well, time. Well, I won't speak on that, but um, <laughs> I – I feel like what I hear, what I hear you saying in terms of uh, relationship and marriage, I feel like when you begin to um, really dig deep into your relationship with God, mm-hmm. I feel like what what I heard you say is the same processing, the same element of much of the time it's 
generally not what I want or I think I want. Mm -hmm. I have to really uh, respectfully or unrespectfully (laughs) um, (laughs) lean toward God and what I might think God wants. And that Mm -hmm. I always feel like robs my individuality. Mm Because I, I know I've made, was made this way and I know this is why I think this way. So to ask me to, um, not do what I think I want to do. Yeah. And instead pause and wait for God is really hard. Amen. I think you're, I think you are spot on, Kathy, because I think that is, that is the essence of, of a life of faith, you know, is that, is that when you look towards, you know, whoever's listening and, and whoever, you know, have whatever views they have, but when you look towards a divine figure, a God, a creator, and you believe that, like in my case, that that is something that's very personal, um, then you do do that. You absolutely submit your natural desires um, and put them through the filter of what God says his desires are. And I think, you know, we live in a day and age. It wasn't always like this, but we live in a day and age now and it's becoming more increasingly so where your desires, your thoughts, your wants trump everything that yeah. whatever your individual individual yeah. expression of life is that trumps anybody from saying you can or cannot do that or even criticizing it. And while there are there are some great things that come from that, there's also some very, very dangerous things that come from that. And it, yeah. it, de- it definitely speaks directly against kind of how at least Scripture portrays God to, to, as this kind of all-knowing, all-loving, omnipotent, gracious being to say, yeah, I, I have created you. But because of Adam and Eve, because of of selfishness and and all that sort of stuff, sin that's entered the world, your wants, your desires, your needs, even your expressions of individualism have actually been warped a bit. And that's where where God comes in to go. I'm trying to get it back to what what I originally intended it for to be. And so all of life and faith is going, Okay, well, this comes naturally to me. It comes naturally to me to lie in a situation to minimize um, exposure or to minimize um, consequences that that I would deem negative, that comes naturally to me. But that's but but I've got to fight against that because just because it's natural doesn't mean it's right. Right, it's a struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's a constant struggle. It's a mental struggle. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. But I will say, Jason, in regard to marriage, that when you are as old as I am, my, I mean, I, for the most part, tried to practice what we've been talking about, but there is a certain part of me now that just says, check it. I, I'm just yeah. going to say what I want and I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I worked I, for the last 50 years on that. <laughs> But you know what, Kathy? I think that's one of the I think that's one of the beautiful things, you know, about particularly like a long term marriage is that you you realize that as you get to know that person more and as they get to know you more, 
you can actually create space for that to happen more frequently and not be not be offended by it. Hopefully, you know, because I think I think that's where a lot of people get into trouble is that when when, you know, you do express yourself or you say, well, this is what I need. This is what I, I want that people take that. Uh, you can take it offensively. And that's not always the case. Like it, that's actually could be a very healthy thing to do. Uh, yes, I agree. Totally. Yeah. But I have a, a question, though. Like if we're born with this, these minds that um, where we're self-aware and we have this ego and we want have these wants and needs. And I mean, God made us that way, right? Sure. He made us like as far as what do you mean? He made us that way. He made us. Well, to be self-aware, to, yeah, to have one's mind. I mean, if you believe this, I'm yeah. saying. Um, then why? What? Then what? What's the big deal if we want to be this way? If we're the way we are, you know. Well, I guess I would. I, I guess I would. I would clarify what I mean by God made us this way. So I would clarify the fact that God definitely made us to be individuals from the standpoint of being to. Um, express the unique gifts that we have, the unique personalities that we have, um, you know, the unique perspectives that we have. I, I don't have any, I don't think there's any question about that. What I'm saying though, is that in our, um, understanding and interpretation of behavior, um, that that's where I think God goes, listen, I, I didn't create you to be you know, prideful. I didn't create you to be a murderer. I didn't create you to be a liar. But for some people that comes naturally. So so from God's perspective, there's there's this there's this mission, if it were, there's this plan um to curb, transform, and to release you from that. So that's where I would say that, yeah, he's made us that way, but just because he made us that way, it doesn't mean he wants to leave us that way. I feel like maybe God has to work on a few things. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, sure. he or she or they needs to admit that they messed up okay. in some areas. Okay. Like, you know, that's my bad. Sure, sure. But here's how we fix it. Okay. You yeah. Know, instead of pestilence and Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> right. Floods. right, right. You know? Yeah. No, I, I can see I, your okay, point. So the thing that. I've been thinking about as we've talked about this is that Tower of Babel is basically about finding a balance. Okay. Right. It's about yeah. finding a balance in your individualism and community in your community. Yep. I right? can see that. Yep. I think that's a good. I think that's a good kind of place to sit. Just solve sure. the mystery of the universe, Craig. If you're listening. <laughs> Boom. There we go. Well, and can I piggyback on that a little bit? Yeah. Of course. So you're get talk going back to that notion of gifts. You were created with your gifts. And I think you are somewhat responsible. Um, if you believe in God or trust in God that you utilize those gifts that you've been given. And thus that could mean you have the gift of communication. So that would take away from your individualism if you were in a group and that was your gift. So you get to express yourself, but you're doing it for the well-being of other people. Yeah, right. I think that's, I think that's, that's right. exactly what this podcast is about. Is it? 
Oh, good. We we just unlocked another secret then. We are uh, we're yeah we're using our gifts. Yes. For humanity. I, I, and I do and, and all. <laughs> God would be so pleased, right, Jason? That's right. Absolutely. God, I know. I think I think that's a God great point, Kathy. Be, I hope if God is so pleased, he will he will give us more followers. He'll, wow. he'll, mul- he'll multiply the effort, right? There you go. Yeah, that's right. No, I was going to say, I think you're right, spot on again, Kathy, that like, I think that's the essence of a, of a gift, you know, is that a gift is not meant to be kept selfishly. A gift is meant to continue to be given. And so, you know, that that's one of the things is that how you know it's a gift is if, if a gift is expressed and used to kind of mutually encourage and edify other people around you. And I think it is in many ways, it's the ultimate form of self-expression and individualism is when you're putting your gift into action. And you're being selfless. That's right. Yeah. There's a a book by a guy named Lewis Hyde that's called the gift. And it's Mm -hmm. about, about exactly what you're saying about how art forms in societies started out as gift giving and it would pass on from, from like tribe to tribe to tribe to tribe and you, it would keep going and keep going and then sooner or later at some point art turned into commerce mm. which is like the wrong way to go right. but it's like what what you're saying is like it should be it should be um like any kind of art form or any kind of uh, thing that you're putting out into the world should be like that it should be renewable you know yeah it's it's a cuz i think sometimes you know i i like the word and even the way you're using the word art, I, I think sometimes people get caught up, though, in art being something you see on a wall or, you yeah. know, something you can listen to. But it's really expressions of creativity because you're right. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I know people who are incredibly gifted and actually very creative in regards to how they go about managing finances, you know, and 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 creating budgets and balancing it and stewarding finances in such a way that like – you know, it benefits more people and the dollar goes farther. I mean, I look at that and go like if they weren't doing that, they wouldn't be using their gifts, you know, right. and that's that you can be creative in an office. You mm-hmm. can be created creative at an Excel spreadsheet as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. I think that it's it's a it's an expression of creativity in, in various ways. Oh, man, Sarah would really love that. <laughs> oh, yeah, All she does is work in well, Excel sheets. I've always told, I've always said that my kids, they are spiritual and they just don't recognize that part of their spirituality. Yeah. I mean, you, they can deny it, but mm-hmm. you just, you just revealed that secret, Jason. You, <laughs> you are. See, there we go. Shed of secret. <laughs> We're making up for lost time for sure. What an episode. Uh, I do want before I know I don't know when you're going to have to end, but I I just want to say that it is just so darling to watch the two of you <laughs> because I've been listening to your voice, Jason, and it's you know, that's the kind both of you have the kind of voices that you could just it put you know it's just like it's so soothing it's just so nice to, for my brain. But now to look at you both and to watch you and to see how much you look alike is just <laughs> incredible. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. No, that's sweet. Oh, that's really sweet. sweet. No, I, I mean, we, I know we've talked about this before, like on and off the podcast, but I think that's one of the great joys of doing this is just 
being able to connect with each other, you know, and yeah. um, continuing to learn from each other. And um, I know. Yeah, it's it's a blessing. Yeah, it's been a it is a been, blessing. It's been really great because we, I think we found that we there's this uh, well of like this sort of uh, well of things that we can always talk about. And, and it's, it's really kind of amazing that we can't we this is I think this is going to be our 15th episode. And mm-hmm. like, how far do you think we can go? We can get to 100. I, I think it would be. Why not? Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, it's, why it's, it's, even? It's, there's it's, enough there. Yeah, it's really kind of amazing that we're able to sort of talk about things on and, and someone said this earlier one of my friends who had listened to it he said that we do a good job of like not capitulating each other but not arguing i yes you know? i i i love uh how um what's your name <laughs> rufus Kathy, uh, <laughs> I love the way Josh has this mind, this question, this, I mean, his mind, I, you can just see how he's like tethered. He just struggles with these questions. And then Jason, you, you are just the kindest, gentlest responder to his, <laughs> his, 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 you are so sweet. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I do believe you're turning him. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I think what I, I think what's happening is I think, and this is part of the reason why it works well. I think is because we finally gotten to a point. I don't want to speak for you, Josh, but I think we've gotten to a point in our lives and in our relationship where we're able to talk about things and come at them from oftentimes different perspectives. Oh, I know, but not feel like the relationship is threatened, yeah. you know, like there's a security there that I don't know has always been there, quite frankly. That, but it is at this point, and I think that it, it's just an overall discussion of things. It, it, it's a proof that there is a way to discuss things civilly. Yes. And, which, and which, respectfully. And personally. Yeah, and personally. And which the, what the world desperately needs, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, when you look at the political environment and just kind of the discourse that's going on, oh. uh, you know, there there is no sense of there's no sense of grace. There is no sense of just being nice. There's no nuance. You know, um, it's it's black and white. It's you know this or that. It's right or wrong. So yeah. I think that that's not life by any by any stretch of the imagination. It's not at all. Um, but I feel like the first guess that we had that it went well, I feel like we should do it more. I, I, I completely agree. I yeah. think this needs to be something so, we incorporate a lot on you to bring in like Craig or somebody. I, I will. Don't okay. dare me. I will. Right. Well, I think yeah. we should. Okay. I think that's a great idea. Get a little, get a little English accent going on here as well. Yeah. That'd be, so, that'd be, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right, so um, I guess we would like to, I guess we would call this sort of just a continuation of the Tower of Babel with a third person, a third party in here, given their perspective on it. Um, yeah, kind of like a you know special guest episode unpacking individualism and diversity. Yeah. Yes, and yeah, building and murder. <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> so 
Um, I'm not sure what we'll talk about next. Uh, maybe another Bible story. I don't know. What, what, what follows directly after the Tower of Babel? Uh, story of Abraham, the beginning of Abraham's story. We've covered. Yeah, we've covered parts of it. There's yeah. lots of others. That was yeah. He was a bit older with the with the uh, the yeah. test. Right. There's a there's a whole story where you know he marries yeah he marries he marries a gal and then they they uh, have to go down to Egypt and he pretends like she's yeah. his sister because they don't yeah. want to get kidnapped yeah. and then he, she gets kidnapped anyway yeah. and then he's got to come clean like, there's some <laughs> crazy stuff that happens yeah wow. yeah they, yeah I've heard that story <laughs> okay well maybe we'll do maybe we'll skip ahead because uh, we did Abraham I don't know if we could go back to him so soon but i thought we did ha- we did talk about sodom and gomorrah a bit we did yeah a little bit um which happens not too far off right from this from tower of Babel. yeah i mean not too too i mean there's yeah i mean you just got a lot of you got a lot of uh a lot of abraham and then you get into the whole isaac isaac thing i mean yeah we could talk offline and we could come up with a bunch of different stuff i mean one of the things i was thinking about too was you know we've not really talked Outside of, you know, catching up and here and there, just even about the pandemic itself and kind of the effect that it's had. I think that I was just thinking, like, maybe we we should do something not Bible-y. Right. Yeah. We should do, like, a a filler episode. Well, I think, yeah, just talking about about the pandemic. Well, the only reason I thought about that, Josh, is just because it's so fresh on our minds from the standpoint of, like, what we've had to go through over the last month and, and just the way, you know where we're at is handling it differently than where the U S is at. And, you know, I think, I think, yeah, I think there's an interesting analysis that we could do on that and and pull out the positives and negatives. Well, well, we all want to move to England. (laughs) I doubt it. No, because they have, they haven't handled everything perfectly by any stretch. I mean, we, I dare say the, the, the guy in charge over here, the prime minister over here, um, is probably not the uh, the sharpest tack, you know that that there is, or at least or at least he's not. Uh, he does a very good job of pretending like he's not. Yeah. Um, so there's there's quite a bit of things that have been mishandled that uh, are pretty embarrassing. Okay. So all right, we'll come back next time when we talk about the pandemic. Uh, we thank you for listening. Uh, we ask you to. What are we asking people to do? We just ask people to like, share comment get communicate with us contact us through the various social media platforms um and then you know just continue to support us however they can we appreciate all forms of support and we thank you again kathy yes thank you so much kathy grateful for your invite and your willingness to share your personal story thank you this has been great yeah, I think this has been my favorite episode. Yeah, mine, mine as well. Uh, mine too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Individualism here. <laughs> That's right. All right. This is a positive form of individualism. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, until next time, we thank you. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.